Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Vandalia, Michigan campus. For more info, look us up at newdaycommunity.org. It's been, I don't know, a while. So I'm, I'm really glad to be back. My name is Jimmy. Uh, my, my wife is Chloe. She's up in Kalamazoo where we live, uh, leading the services at New Day at Nichols, uh, so New Day Vandalia is a part of a three-campus church. New Day Nichols is uh, it's happening right now. And so we have uh, two amazing kids. One is with me here, and the other one is with her. And she's due in October with our third baby. So, thank you, Jesus. Uh, today is our six-year wedding anniversary. So... So that's pretty awesome. Uh, don't worry, we did have a time away earlier this week, and so we feel good, we're connected. Um, so yes, I'm preaching on our anniversary, but we're good. So, so this morning, I have the task of, of talking to, to you this morning about, about how truth operates in community. Right? We have this idea of truth. Jesus is truth. Pastor Mark, two weeks ago, last week was railroad something. Uh, I'm not from here. So, Pastor Mark talked about how Jesus is the truth. Uh, Pilate asks Jesus when, at the very last moments of his life, what is truth? And, and, and there's this kind of, he just walks out. There's this question that's just left there in John 18. And so this, this really, for the rest of the year, in different ways, we're, we're just exploring this idea of what does it mean that Jesus is full of grace and truth, particularly for us in this season of the year? What does it mean that Jesus is the full revelation of truth? Um, so I get to talk about how truth isn't just this abstract concept, but how it plays itself out in the context of a gathered community like this one. So, um, so community is really, really, at its most basic sense, really simple. Uh, there's a shared people, uh, a shared interest, something that brings people together in a shared place. And so we have this room right here. I'm going to just take a stab and guess that the reason that many, if not all of you are here is because you want to connect with God. You want to be connected with the God who created you and you want to even be connected with other people. Right there, there's a shared interest. There's a shared, there's something that brings you together. And we're in the same place. There's a, there's a proximity to community. You're together in the same geography, in the same building. That's really fundamentally the basic concept of community. Shared interest shared place. And, uh, and so with that said, society at large is in a loneliness epidemic. I don't know if you've ever read anything about this, but it's actually pretty staggering. Uh, what do I mean by this? Loneliness ac- epidemic. This man named Robert Putnam, Harvard scholar, sociologist, wrote a book called Bowling Alone, where he just documents the way that across the country, across the West really, but particularly in the U.S., all forms of community are in decline. Over the last 50 years, not just churches, but every form of gathered community across the country is just tanking. So bowling alone, right? These bowling leagues that my dad used to be in, right? He's no longer in that. The, the Eagles Club or the moms groups or the, the, the various social activities that brought people together, they're actually falling away. And so any sort of gathered community in our, really, society is just kind of slipping through our fingers, largely because there's this, there's this pull into what many 
people can identify as individualism, where really it's about me, it's about my preferences, it's about my comfort level, it's about my priorities. And so if, if I have to kind of sacrifice on any of that, I probably won't go. I probably won't be there for the long term. So there's this pull towards individualism that is what satisfies my needs, my desires, my preferences, and if it's not that, I might not be there. So all forms of community are in decline. Uh, last year, former Prime Minister of the UK, Theresa May, made news by appointing, by appointing a loneliness minister. It's interesting. A loneliness minister over the whole United Kingdom. Uh, this is based off of a study that determined that nearly 9 million Brits, so over 20% of the country, identified as extremely lonely. Uh, it's even worse in the U.S. Rates are even higher. 35% of Americans report that they are chronically lonely. 35%. 8% report have had, having a conversation with a neighbor over the previous year. That's 8%. A neighbor, just somebody who lives near you. Uh, in, in 1984, the average American had three confidants, three people that they could share openly with about difficult things. In uh, 1984. A recent... A report said that 25% of Americans have zero. Zero people they feel like they can actually be real with, they can actually confide in. Uh, George Gallup of Gallup Poll fame said, quote, Americans are among the loneliest people in the world. And he does research through the research firm all over the world. Americans, loneliest people in the world. With loneliness comes all sorts of health problems. Uh, One study found, now this this is pretty crazy, one study found that, that loneliness and, and its effects it has on you is worse, worse than smoking 15 cigarettes a day. It has a greater impact on your lifespan than obesity. Multiple studies have tied it to health di- or heart disease, dementia, and of course, anxiety and depression. So, good morning. Welcome to church. It's good to see you all. Uh, I see smiling faces, but... From this, I can actually say, you know, we, we, have, we can put on these facades. We can be, hey, we're good. I'm good. How are you? I'm good. You, but, but deep down, there, very, very, there may very well be an actually underlying loneliness and a residual sense of, I don't know that anybody really knows me and I don't really know that I really know anybody that we, that we can carry around with us. Uh, so my task this morning is, again, to talk about community and not just kind of this ideal sense of community that many of us can have, but a real community that requires something of you, that has to go past the disillusionment with the fantasy of community and actually get into the real stuff of doing life together when it gets hard. So, uh, so I'll talk about community, then I'll talk about truth, and then a little bit about how they merge together in the vision that Jesus has for his church. So, um, so Acts... Two, I'll read it for you if you can read along. So Acts 2, 42, this is really a description of the early church. Uh, it's a pretty familiar passage that we come to regularly. It's just a highlight mark across the, the early church. Uh, just after the Holy Spirit had been poured out, God is doing amazing things in the city of Jerusalem. And this is a description of the people who were part of the first uh, Jesus movement there in Jerusalem. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, and to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. 
All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So man, you read this and it's like, that is beautiful. That is amazing. Ah, I mean, I want that. That is so good. But then we say, well, that would actually require a lot of me to be a part of something like that. That would actually require a total denial of self. It's actually a call to, to give myself to, to, the, to the community that we see here. Uh, quick story for you. So my wife and I, two years ago, we bought a house in Kalamazoo in the Edison neighborhood. If you know anything about Kalamazoo, Edison neighborhood is the biggest neighborhood in the city. It's the most diverse neighborhood in the city and it's probably the second kind of neighborhood in need of most help. It's just kind of, there's plight, there's poverty, there's just difficulty. We bought a house uh, right in one of the, the older uh, blocks of town. Our house was built in 1911. And, uh, and we just thought, man, there's such, a, there's such an opportunity right here on our street. Dozens and dozens of kids just running around. A lot of uh, fatherlessness, a lot of divorced parents, a lot of um, single family or single parent families and kind of grandmas and aunts watching the kids. And, and we just said, man, there's so many kids here. Let's just make our home a space, you know, just for the kids who are running around. We'll just have popsicles and a swing, get a swing set and this and that. And so I go and get a swing set. Uh, really, it was given to me, and it doesn't really work that great because I didn't anchor it well into the ground, and so the back end flips up, and it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's having problems. But, but it's still being used. And so, so these two kids, Gray and Kobe, right? these kids live somewhere on our street. Uh, they're both six, seven, somewhere in there. And they're very similar and because they're very similar, they don't get along, right? They, they're both very dominating. And, and, so, and so we're on the swing set. We got Junia, who's four, swinging, and Gray and Kobe are fighting over this little pull-up bar that's just right next to it. And there's a lot of, you know, boy shoving and pushing. And I step outside and say, hey, guys, I know you guys both want to use this. Let's just take turns. Kobe, you go first. Do your little pull-up. And then, Gray, you can go, and we can take turns, okay? You, you guys got it? Okay, cool. So I'll step, I step back inside. I go help Chloe out. A minute later, we have the door open. I hear, just this gasp. And so I come outside, and I can see that there was something that happened, and, and Gray had kicked Kobe. And so I, I say to him again, hey, guys, this is how it has to go. If you're going to fight, you, just, you, get, you have to go home because you can't do that here. I go back inside, and, and I, just, I step outside a minute later, and I see Gray kicking Kobe in the stomach as hard as he could. And he just falls down, and he's just on the ground. And they're back and forth. It's not just it's not a bully thing. They're both pushing, but I see it this time. And so I'm just like, I have to deal with this. This is difficult. Now I have to not blow up. I have to like be calm and try to handle the situation. And, and what this is, is it's real life hitting into the space of, a, of, a, of an ideal of, of opening up our home. Right, it's real life hitting into the space of, oh, wouldn't it be great to just have kids, have them come over, 
and they can just hang out and be loved on and all these great things. But now it's actually happening, and now it's really hard, and I don't really, I'm not really excited about it because I have to like, send these kids home. So th- but this is what happens with community, right? We say, oh, I love it. It's so great. I'll have you over to my house, and we'll have dinner, and we'll get to know each other, and we'll, we'll, we'll be real with each other, and we'll grow together, and we'll be vulnerable, and all these ideas we can have, but then it actually starts to happen, and it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. This is difficult. You just offended me. Or, or, or you said that thing, or you assumed this thing about me, or, or you're, you're being human and I'm being human and we're not getting along, and so I'm gonna, I, maybe I want to start to withdraw. You know, maybe I want to just pull back a little bit, and maybe, maybe I've been hurt, so I don't really want to open up myself like that again. Because community, if we're honest, can be hard. It can be difficult. It can, like, to really know each other, to, to let yourself be known, to let people speak into your life, to allow yourself to, to be known can be difficult. It can be messy. It can be hard. And so, uh, so again, community, shared people in a shared space, shared interest. Here's a few things that community is not, because I think sometimes culturally we can get confused. A few things that community is not uh, is connection, right? With the rise of social media and even before that, just internet in general, there's this idea that, oh, we're connected, man. I can send you an email across the country and now I can, sna- I can FaceTime you from a different part of the world and we can stay, we can be connected like never before. But loneliness is at a place it's never been before. So we were more connected than ever and yet culturally more lonely than ever. And so there's this illusion that because we can be connected through technology and different means that we're, more, that we're actually closer. Uh, but it's just actually the opposite. Connection is not community. We can be well connected and we thank God for, for connection where we can see family and friends from all over the world through travel and through internet and whatnot. But it's not actually community. The next thing that isn't a community that we can often mistake for it is chemistry, right? I, I really just have a natural affinity for you. And, and, and I really, I really, we really get along. And so we're, we can be in community. But, but one thing that, that this actually, which is, which is great, right? If, if you're in proximity and actually doing life together with people that you really just naturally get along with, that's phenomenal. But often that's not present. Often that's not the case. Often it's a little bit more sticky than that. Uh, I, can, I can look back to my years in seminary in Grand Rapids and I had one particular uh, friend named Josh and we just, it was just easy. We just got along. We, we just thought the same. We just, so many things were just on the same page. And for, for a season of our life, we were in community and we had chemistry and it was just awesome. I still consider him one of my best friends. But now he lives in Mount Pleasant. I live in Kalamazoo and we we're st- we still have chemistry. We're still connected, but, but we're not in community because we don't live near each other. We don't do life together. So that's, re- that's required context for community is life done together. All right, here's one that I want to spend a little more time on. Uh, it's called tribalism. Right? This is culturally, this is gets confusing because uh, often what's pitched as community is rallying around a common enemy. Uh, but that's not the biblical picture. So, so tribalism, uh, here, here's, here's a couple pieces on that. So community is based on mutual love. 
Tribalism is based on mutual hate. And so the reason we're coming together is because we don't like them or we don't like that thing. And so that's what, that's what brings us together. Community is about who and what we are for. Tribalism is about who and what we are against. Community is about generosity and honor and celebration of the other. Tribalism is a zero-sum battle for scarce resources where it is kill or be killed. If God, quote, sets the lonely in families, which is the good news of the gospel, God sets the lonely in families, Psalm 68, 6, then individualism sets the lonely in tribes. This, this withdraw into my preferences, my needs, my priorities. What's going what's gonna to pull you in, into, quote unquote, community is actually really just what we could call tribalism because it's identifying around something that I hate or it's identifying around something that I'm against, which is a terrible unifier. <laughs> it's just not something that for the long term builds you. It's not something that grows you. It's something that actually eats at you. And we really want to be distinct about the difference here because the church cannot be caught up in tribalism. Uh, so the thing that unifies us, the thing that is the mutual love, the thing that is the mutual submission is the fact that no matter what differences we have, Jesus has died for us. Jesus has given his life for us. The, the unifying thing is that our knees are bowing together at the foot of the cross. The thing that unifies us no matter what separates us, the thing that, that brings us together is that Jesus has looked at you and me and says, it is finished. He's looked at you and me and he says, I forgive you. He's looked at you and me and he says, I love you no matter what you've done or what's been done to you. That's the thing that, that unifies us, right? No matter what differences that we have. And we need to, to know this because there, there definitely will be things that we disagree on, things that are different about what we think and what, what somebody else thinks. But what, what really brings us together needs to be Jesus. Okay, so back to Acts, right? The first line. That's really all, all we need to, to get into to see the way that truth converges upon community. So it says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. These two things, the apostles' teaching, right? What, what, what are they teaching? They're teaching truth. They're teaching the teachings of Jesus that they've learned themselves. They're teaching the scriptures. They're teaching how Jesus has fulfilled the prophecies of the Old Testament. They're teaching how Jesus is the Messiah, the fulfillment of all of Israel's hopes. They're teaching the things that Jesus taught them. They're teaching truth. And the, and the early church says that they were devoted. They didn't say they preferred the apostles' teachings. Says they were devoted, they submitted to the apostles' yeah. teachings. So there's a, there's a, if you think about it this way, there's a standard that they're setting. There's a way of life that they're teaching. There's a way of life, not just these abstract moral principles that can be done in isolation, but, but a way of life that is to be done alongside other people. Other people who you may not like, <laughs> but who together acknowledge Jesus as Lord. 
and who together alongside you need to move forward into the, into the, into the design of God, which is community growing to reflect him. And so it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. Here it is, truth and community together in the early church. So, um, so we have the apostles' teachings, teaching of Jesus, standards for, to, to both hold yourself to and to hold others to. Uh, and, and really, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a structure of accountability. Because without accountability, there's no, there's no growth. There's no maturity. For us to devote ourselves to the apostles' teachings means to give ourselves to the way of life that Jesus leads us to. And that's, that, needs, that needs to involve people together. So, I don't know if you can see this. This is something that we introduced at the very beginning of the year, but, but I think it's important when we talk about truth because, because Jesus was full of grace and truth. And, and though this is just, quote, truth in community, it can't imagine what it looks like for truth to be lived out without grace. Because it's speak the truth in love. Speak the truth with the character and the influence of Jesus who's, who, is, who is grace. And so here's just a kind of a chart where you think about, you have a community of people, and we'll just start in the lower left. You have a community of people, say there's no grace and there's no real priority for truth or, or truth telling or truth listening. That's a rough spot to be in. You probably aren't going to want to be there for very long. And, and the, kind of the, the consensus is just apathy. No, I don't care. I don't care what you do, you don't care what I do, and I don't care what's true. If we're, just, we're just kind of together. I don't, I don't see this lasting very long. And then we have, often, we find this in the church even, these, these kind of upper corners, low truth, high grace, high truth, low grace. Okay, we'll start with upper left. High grace, low truth. We call it permissive, right? You can do whatever you want. I don't really, I, maybe I care, but... I'm not going to hold you accountable. I'm not really going to hold you to it. It's all love. It's all forgiveness. It's all grace. Or so I could say, but without a sense of growth, without a sense of being able to hold you to something, right? you can just fall into to do whatever you want. Bonhoeffer, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a, a, a early 20th century, uh, a lot of things, pastor, prophet, uh, martyr for the church in Germany. He, he says this. I don't have it up on the slide, but this is actually really jarring. He says, Nothing can be more cruel than the leniency which abandons others to their sin. Wow. Right. And nothing can be more compassionate than the severe reprimand which calls another Christian in one's community back from the path of sin. We have this, we have this kind of lie that's kind of pitched in our culture and in the church that says it's 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 not loving to call people to, to account. It's not loving to actually acknowledge when someone's sinning. And it is loving and it is gracious uh, to, to just allow the Holy Spirit to, to, to figure it out for them and, and, to, and to really just let them be in whatever sort of life they want to be in as long as they're coming to church, as long as they you know, are maybe giving or whatever it is. But to actually do Life together requires that there to be a sense of mutual, like, 
invitation where, hey, you can, you can actually speak into my life and I'll, I want you to be able to talk to me really. And like, if I'm going off the rails, I need you to call me to account. I need you to tell me, or maybe I'm blind or maybe I'm arrogant or maybe I'm willfully sinning. I, I want you to tell me that because that's loving me. And the same for you. Like, we, can, we can not just call each other out, which would be, high truth, low grace, I'm just going to call you out. I'm not going to love you in the middle of it. I'm just going to call you out. But I'm going to call you up. I'm going to call you in to the, to the depths of God's heart. I'm going to call you in to, uh, to knowing God through knowing uh, what, it, what it feels like to be loved by me. And so, kind of already got into that, but high truth, low grace, it's just, you know, it's just condemning. It's, it's no fun, not legalistic, uh, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to, any, anything that you're dealing with that's sinful, I'm just going to squash it, and, uh, and I really can't really know you for who you are, because you can't feel vulnerable to open up, because uh, there's not, it's not tolerated. No, no, no honest kind of bearing of, of confession is tolerated, because it's high truth, that's no good, God condemns that, and, and no grace. Where we want to find ourselves and where we want to find this community is this, this full realization of Jesus' heart for, for his church, high grace, high truth, which is in the middle of our mess, in the middle of our stuff. We can be known, we can be loved, and we can know others and we can love others. Now this, again, we can hear that and we say, man, that, that's the ideal. Like that's the, that's the, we want to have kids into our home vision but then we actually start doing it and it gets hard and it's difficult but we need to be just convinced and and propelled by the spirit to press into the difficulty to lean into the awkwardness to to allow ourselves to to keep moving when it feels like we just want to back up we just we just want to be done with that because that's just weird or that's hard i feel like the spirit is is moving in this church in a way that says Keep pressing into knowing each other. Keep leaning into opening yourself up because that's where the gospel takes root and that's where, that's where truth bears fruit. Yeah. Because it's, it's these ideas that Jesus taught, but it's being lived out where, where forgiveness is required, where, where patience and love is, is needed. Right, All the one another's of, of Scripture are done in relationship with people that need your love, that need your forgiveness, that need your grace, that need your, your, your kindness. So that's where we want to be, in the upper corner. Okay, a few things uh, more. So Ephesians 4, we looked at this a while earlier in the year where we talk about, and he gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers for the building up of the saints to do the work of ministry. And, and, and we talked about all of those roles within the church. And then it goes on, just a few verses later, to say this. We are no longer to be like children, tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming, but speaking which is also confessing and practicing the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, Christ. So that phrase right there is where we want to just have, have a, a, a comment here. Speaking the truth in love, right? The, the contrast is 
We're children tossed here and, where, here and there by every, every wind of teaching, every new thought, every compelling idea that sets itself up. Sets itself up. And that's not, it's not in alignment with who God is and who he reveals himself in Christ. And then there's growing up into him who is the head. And it's, it's by speaking the truth in love. Uh, the New Testament writers, I think as they're writing the letters, Paul, James, John, whomever, they're assuming two things about their readers, at least. That, that they're in community and that it's really messy. That's just assumed in the writings of the New Testament. That you're in community and that it's messy. And that there are people you need to honor and love and bear with and confess with. And it's the place, it's the, it's the ground upon which you're learning to love and to live out the way of Jesus. It's, it's the place where you're learning to, to live out all the stuff that you're learning about Jesus. Community is where you live that out. Okay, so here's a, here's a fun uh, kind of example. Not a lot here, but in Matthew 10, we have this scene where, uh, where Jesus is just calling his disciples. He's calling them, and, and we get their names here. All 12 of them are listed here. Matthew 10. These are the names of the 12 apostles. First, Simon, who's called Peter, and his brother Andrew. James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas, and Matthew, the tax collector. James, the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. Okay, so obviously two of them are in bold. We read this and we don't really understand maybe what's happening. Okay, Matthew the tax collector. This is a dude who's on the payroll of Rome. Rome, who is the empire that, that is kind of over Israel. They're on the payroll. Matthew is a tax collector. He's often considered a traitor of the Israel, of the Jewish people. Okay, Simon the Zealot. He would be, the Zealots were a first century kind of violence uh, militant group that would have to often sh- like strike down Roman soldiers in like guerrilla warfare uh, with, you know, just kill them in broad daylight because Rome is the oppressor. And, uh, and, there was carrying out the, 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 right, the, the, the zeal of Yahweh. And so think about it for a second. Okay, this is kind of whatever political tension that we feel in our current moment. It just kind of times that by 10, at least. You have a dude who's working for the Roman government, and you have a dude who's killing Roman officers. Both of them are disciples of Jesus in Extremely close quarters. Can you imagine like what breakfast is like? Right? Like this is, this is, I mean, you think about whoever you listen to, whatever talking heads are on the news and stuff. This is like the extreme ends of whatever political conflict that we feel, whatever tension that we feel, whatever social, political things are happening. These dudes are both disciples of Jesus. They're both learning the way of Jesus, the rabbi. They're both submitting to the, to the call of Jesus that says, you must deny yourself, you must take up your cross, you must follow me. Right? This, this, is, this is happening, and it's just all underneath. We don't even feel it. We read right over it. But this is, like, how, how real is this to where we're at? And Jesus calls them both. 
Right? He, he doesn't just call Matthew. He doesn't just call Simon. He calls them both. He says, I, I know what you believe. I know what you think. I'm calling you both to follow me. And not just both to follow me in your own churches, but I'm calling you both to follow me in community with me together. Like you need to, you need to be able to both love each other right now as we walk, the way, walk this thing out. And so whomever uh, you kind of have in your head that you just think, oh man, they're totally liberal or they're totally out there. If Jesus is calling them, which is what he does, if he's calling them to follow him, we got to learn what it looks like to live among, to live with. So you got breakfast, right? Matthew, Simon. Matthew looks over at, at Simon and he says, you're a murderer. You just killed a Roman officer. Simon looks over at Matthew and he says, you're a traitor. You just abandoned the Jewish customs to, to, to sell yourself out to Rome. And Jesus pulls them together and he says, you both need to forgive each other and, and follow me on the narrow road that leads to life. You both need to know what it looks like to, to work through conflict, disagreement, and everything else. Um, because that's the call of Jesus. To follow him on the road that leads to life. That is done. It has to be done. It can't be done in isolation. It can't be done not connected to the body. That's the context of life with God. is rooted in community. Not the idea of community, but real people who don't always get along, who often offend each other, who often don't have chemistry, but who are together submitted to and following the one risen Jesus. And so, if we could, I just want us to stand uh, and respond to this. As I was praying for, um, for, for this service this morning, I just felt like God showed me the picture of a sunflower. And so I have a picture of a sunflower here. Uh, and, so, and so this is what, as I was asking Jesus, you know, what, what does he want to say? Because there's a lot here, guys. There's a lot of, of things even rolling through my head. But this is what I felt like Jesus was just reminding me. He says, I love you enough to put you in places that will force you to grow. And growth isn't directionless. Growth is oriented toward a goal. Just as the sunflower reaches toward the sun, the Christian reaches toward Christ. Without rain and sunlight, the sunflower couldn't grow. Without grace and truth in community, the Christian can't grow. And so, if you could just open up your hands, we just want to respond here. Uh, Father, God, right now we recognize so often we can have a dream or an idea of community or what it looks like to be close with other people following Jesus. And it actually is a hindrance to real life with people. So Father, whatever dream that we have that isn't like real or is, is actually a hindrance, God, we just pray you'd break that down. Whatever picture in our head that we need, if this was in place, then I would give myself to community. We pray, God, that you would just actually 
Just, just, just like dismiss that picture that we need to have in order to give ourselves. God, right now we just say, we give ourselves to, to, to the real work of doing life together. To the real work of getting to know people who are different than us, but who, who have in common the one Lord Jesus Christ who has forgiven and set us both free. And we're committed to walk the road that leads to life together, God, with people who maybe we have chemistry with, but maybe we can't stand. Maybe we don't get along. Maybe it's hard. God, show us the places in our heart that resist this. God, show us the places that, that, are, that are far more tribal and far more uh, just based on our own preferences. And God, we, we just submit to you our preferences. We submit to you our, uh, our wishes and our dreams. And we, God say, we say, God, would you do what you want to do? Would you, would you give me the courage to step into community, to, to be known and to know others, to speak truth and to hear truth spoken? In me, over me, for my good and for your glory, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Help us in this, we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.